you've got your Bible with you today, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Let's take a moment this morning and pray. Father, we do thank you for your, your goodness, your kindness toward us. Lord, we look to you now for direction. Lord, speak through us, I pray. Give us utterance in the Holy Ghost, boldness to speak your word. May each and every person receive exactly what they need for this time, for this hour, for this season in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, well, I ran across the, the perfect husband. I wanted to share with you about the perfect husband first. Uh, there were a bunch of guys in the locker room at the golf club, and cell phone on the bench began to ring, and so the guy, you know, picks it up, but he puts it on speakerphone, and there, so everyone else in the in the locker room there stops to listen uh, to the conversation. He says hello, and uh, woman's on the other line. She says, "Honey, it's me. Are you at the club?" He says, "Yes." He said, "She said, uh, I am at the mall now, and I found this beautiful leather coat. It's only a thousand dollars. Is it okay if I buy it?" He said, "Sure, go ahead if you like it that much." She said, I also stopped by the Mercedes dealership, saw the new uh, 2009 model, and uh, there was one I really liked. He said, how much? He, she said, just 90000 And uh, he said, okay, uh, but for that price, make sure it's got all the options on it. All right. woman says, well, you know, great. Oh, by the way, one more thing. Uh, the house that we wanted, it's back on the market, and uh, they're asking 950000 for it, and uh, he says, "Well, go ahead and give him an offer, but just offer nine hundred thousand." She says, "Okay, I'll see you later. I love you." He says, "Bye, love you too." He hangs up. The other men are just looking at him in astonishment. Then he says, "Does anybody know whose phone this is?" Okay, everybody, we've been talking about in these uh, weekend services the making of a marriage, okay? And so let's get into some of this again today. And uh, I want you to understand that in all of our discussions that we've had so far, do get caught up if you missed, on, missed some of those. Go to their website and listen to those. And uh, the last two parts, you recall, we discussed the subject of marriage, divorce, and remarriage. And many people are quite confused about that subject, but I would encourage you to listen to see what the Word of God actually has to say. It can get you up to date to the New Testament. And uh, uh, whether it applies directly to you, whether you've experienced those type of things, or whether you haven't, you need to be knowledgeable of what the Lord has to say about these subjects. However, I do want to tell you this that uh, we ought not be looking for, especially if you're married, you ought not be looking for grounds for divorce. Let's look for grounds for marriage, all right? Let's look for a reason to make things work and to make things uh, uh, fulfilling and successful and all that God intended for them to be and not be looking for a legal way out or is there, do I have a, a good enough excuse to get out of this uh, situation that we're dealing with right now we want to be doing just the opposite of that now over here in John chapter 4 many of you know the story about how Jesus met up with this woman at the well and uh, it was a natural well, they're getting water, and Jesus took the opportunity to minister to her and began talking to her about living water, 
right? And he was talking to her about everlasting life, about eternal life that she could have. And he used the figure there of the, of the well, how if she drank the water that he would give, she wouldn't be thirsty anymore, okay? In the middle of this discussion that he, they have, I want to pick up in verse 16. And, and the word says here, Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. All right, a couple things I want to point out to you in this. First of all, notice that this woman who had a relational disastrous history, right, been married and divorced five times, now was shacked up with somebody. She didn't know how to do the whole relationship thing. Do you notice Jesus is not condemning her? Do you notice he still came to her, talking to her about living water? Huh? Some, some Christians would go and they'd talk to her about bitter water. <laughs> hey, I got something for you to drink. You know, <laughs> because, because of all the mess that she had made of her life and her relationships. But no, Jesus still came with compassion to help her, to minister to her, talk to her about forgiveness, which was that living water, eternal life. He went on and discussed with her later uh, about true worship, worshiping in spirit and truth. Doesn't seem like this is someone that Jesus is really wanting to drive into the ground for all her mistakes, is it? It's not the approach that he took, which tells me it's not the approach that we should take, all right? Some people have really made a mess of their lives and relationships, but how many know there's restoration in the Lord, there's forgiveness, there is a future, there is help for those who will look to him. And so we're not in the condemning business when it comes to uh, even the subject of marriage and divorce and shacking up, amen? <laughs> uh, uh, but, but here's a couple other things that I want you to notice. Uh, some people have the belief that only a person's original or first marriage is one that God acknowledges. That if a person was married and sometime after that got divorced and remarried, that God is pretty much just looking the other way concerning all other relationships. He doesn't even acknowledge that they're real. He, he considers them always to be still married to the first person. All right, that's not what Jesus taught here. Did you notice that Jesus acknowledged you were married? In fact, five times. You were married, five, and you're not married to them anymore. He said, you have said well, you have no husband. So Jesus didn't look at her and say, you know what? In reality, you're still married to that first dude. Because in, in the eyes of God, that's, how, that's the way it is. And that's not what he said. You know, some guys I know uh, and years ago talked to, a uh, couple guys, they were brothers, and uh, loved the Lord, had gotten saved, and were living for, the, for Jesus, and uh, they had both been divorced, and come to find out as I talked to them, they were both trusting God. They were using their faith and praying that their ex-wives would come back to them. And I thought, well, that's a good thing. That's a godly thing. I mean, that's, as we saw last time, that's the reason that Paul told people if one or the other departs, don't go jump into another marriage right away because the goal is restoration. And that's a good thing. But as they discussed it further, I found out that their ex-wives were both remarried. Yet, they were praying and apparently, you know, trusting God that they would come back to them. And I thought, eee, I don't know about that one. 
you know, God's going to have to break up that other relationship to answer your prayer. And is, is he, are you really praying that he's going to, that your ex-wives are going to divorce their current husbands so they come back to you? That's not really what we're supposed to do. But that comes again from the belief that that first covenant bond, it lasts forever no matter what you do. That's not what Jesus taught here. It's not how Jesus responded to this woman. He acknowledged that they were past husbands. Here's another thing that we can see from this. You ever heard someone say, well, you know, maybe a, a, a man and woman who are shacked up together, and they say, we're married in the eyes of God. I know, what's, you know, what's the big deal? So we don't have a piece of paper. But in reality, we're married in the eyes of God, could even have children together. Jesus didn't say that about this woman and her current dude, right? <laughs> he said, the woman you're not, the, the guy you're now with, he's not your husband. And so we can't take that approach either that we think, well, as long as we're acting married and look married and, you know, everything outward seems that we're married. Well, we're married in the eyes of God. Apparently, if a person's not married in the eyes of men, that they're not married in the eyes of God either. Amen. You know, sometimes a, a, a young couple may think, especially if they have a wedding date, you know, and the urge is there, the urge to merge, you know, and... Uh, <laughs> And they, they want to they get it on there, have the, the, the temptation there. And, and they think, well, the wedding's only so far away. What's the big deal? We're just as good as married anyway. We're married in the eyes of God, so we can go ahead and proceed. No, you can't. <laughs> Not with the blessing of God in, in this situation. Because, again, uh, the wedding really does mean something. That covenant and that relationship that commitment really does mean something to the lord that's why he said that is when a husband and a man and a woman will become one flesh together okay so let's have our our understanding of all these things come from the bible and not just from the culture not just from society around us and how the standards have been lowered so much that people can pretty much do anything they want and feel good about it I say we let the standard come up higher. Come on, let's let the Lord raise our lives instead of us just wallowing around in the muck and the mire of everything's okay. Amoral society and everything goes. Man, you take away from uh, the, real, the real value of what God intended for these institutions when you take all the standards out of them. You know, the scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14, it says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness? And, uh, uh, you know, for a, a person to marry an unbeliever, they either are an unbeliever themselves, or they're a backslidden Christian. All right? Be, listen, there's, God said these things for a reason. But when a person, let's say uh, you have a, a Christian person, and they're interested in in, in marrying someone who's not. I wonder sometimes, what do you talk about when you go out? You don't talk about the Lord. <laughs> uh, in other words, that person, they don't have the Lord first and foremost in their heart and life. They're not endeavoring to live for Him. Otherwise, they wouldn't be interested in connecting lifelong with someone who doesn't even know Him. But I tell you, emotions can be very blinding. And the, 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 the feelings of love can be very distracting in, in people's lives. I remember... Uh, a time I was, uh, years ago, I was counseling with uh, a couple, pre-marriage, pre-marriage counseling with them. And uh, 
uh, over you know a number of of meetings that we had we discussed a lot of you know practical stuff but it came out in one of these sessions where uh, the bride-to-be just broke down and began to cry and, and, and express to me and really her fiancé there how she wanted him to be more uh, excited about God. She wanted him to be more of a leader when it come to the things of God. She wanted to be able to pray with him and, and have him take the lead in, in going to church and being involved in these things. It was something that was very real to her, but very unreal to him. Now, he claimed to be a Christian, and he told me that as well. But my personal perception was uh, he was just a religious Christian. In other words, it seemed like the light wasn't really on. How many know a lot of people in our, in our world claim the title of Christian, but they don't have a genuine relationship with God. They have a Christian history of some kind, a connection maybe with a Christian family or a, or a church uh, somehow, or maybe they do believe or they mentally acknowledge Jesus and that he died on the cross, but they're not changed. They don't have a living relationship with him. That's a big difference. Between that, that person and the one who really knows him. And, and, and if a, a Christian, a, a, a genuine believer, marries someone who doesn't have that relationship with God, that's going to show up in a little while. It won't be too long. You might have fun dating and doing the engagement thing and all the focus is on the, the ceremony and, and looking you know, at stars and everything's going to be wonderful. And, uh, but listen, reality is going to set in. All right? And pretty soon... You could be one of those people who goes to church by yourself. Hmm. I don't ask anyone to raise hands. I'm sure there's several here. Praying for a spouse. I wish my husband, wish my wife would love God like I do. Wish they knew him. Wish they were interested in serving him. And uh, that happens so often. And in this situation, I was talking with this couple. Of course, it, she broke out. And this, listen, this is before the, before the wedding. I mean, no, that's helpful to have for that to happen before the wedding. And how many would advise her? If, if, you were, if you were in the counseling chair, you would say, wait at minimum. At most, don't. <laughs> right? Let's see where he's at, if, the, if this is the real deal with him, or if he's just kind of, you know, going to church with you now because he knows that's what it takes. But he's going to lose interest here real quick. Say, what happened? Well, they got married. Now they're divorced. Uh, and this is all years ago. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's sad. But the Lord does tell us about these things so that we can know ahead of time how we are to act and how we are to uh, approach this particular subject. Now, there is a temptation in many relationships for people to quit pursuing their spouse after they've achieved their goal i got her we're married it's a done deal <sighs> now kick back and that really hurts a lot of relationships you know i think especially with men we are a lot of us are very goal oriented we want to conquer things we want to succeed win you know tie it up bag it <laughs> we got it you know, uh, when we drive, if you ever, guys, if you ever go on a road trip, we approach the road differently than the women, all right? We know where we're going, how many miles it is, and how long it's going to take to get there. We're going to leave at a certain time so we can arrive 
a little bit before we got there last time. <laughs> right? And, uh, and on the road, we know who we've passed. And we do not have time to pull over and go to the bathroom. Right? That is a complete waste of time. <laughs> we regret the fact that we have to get gas. Because even if you're filling up at the pump, how many know you're what? There's that motor home. <laughs> there goes that fifth wheel I passed. <laughs> there goes that. And all these fat cars you passed, you're seeing them. Ah, there they are. You're going to have to pass them all again. And you're wasting time. And your goals are all disrupted here when your wife, you know, she wants to pull over and have coffee. Let's make it. Let's make a. Let's make a day of this. Let's, <laughs> you know. Oh, look! There's a scenic outlook. <laughs> let's pull over and get pictures of this whatever, and uh, <laughs> we think we can get that online. <laughs> we can download that picture, and we don't have to stop. We can get there in time, and be at the pool. <laughs> Amen. Now, although guys are probably more like that than a lot of women, uh, still when it comes to our relationship together, I think this happens on both sides, uh, is we let down a little bit after we've accomplished the goal of getting married. And because of that, relationships, you know, they're going good, getting better and better and better up to the marriage, getting stronger and stronger, and things are increasing, then it kind of levels off, then over time it just starts going down. Why? Not because people are intentionally doing it. Not because the man or the woman are, are just inherently evil or they want to hurt the other person or they don't want a great marriage. Just they don't do it intentionally. Just their focus is off. Their, their, their focus is off. They know I don't have to win this person anymore. I've already got them. And so they relax. They don't pursue and they don't do things necessary that, uh, that caused the relationship to flourish from the beginning. I want to make a statement to you. In fact, to men and to women, I want you to, to, to take this to heart and think about it. Again, I'm talking to those who are married, but this helps if you get the principle in many areas. But men, uh, if you treated your wife during courtship like you treat her now, would she have said yes to your proposal? Ladies, I didn't want you to, to answer that one. <laughs> <laughs> Because I've got a question for you too, ladies. Uh, again, married women, uh, if you treated your husband during courtship like you treat him now, would he ever have proposed to you? All right. These are some things we can contemplate because I bet all of us who are married can look back and remember things that we used to do that we don't do anymore. And I'm talking about good things. All right. Things we used to do to win them over to make them feel good but we stopped doing that a long long time ago why well why do that now i'm already married well that contributes again to a relationship that is not all it can be and not what god intended i want you to turn with me to genesis chapter 2 and i want to draw your attention to a couple points here Genesis being the book of beginnings. Notice with me in verse 7 of chapter 2. It says, And the Lord God formed man 
of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the bread of life and man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden and there he put the man whom he had formed. Okay, so we got God created the man but before he created man he got something ready for him. God gave him a place to live, a garden which was full of fruit trees and all this. So he had something to eat. How many guys are interested in something to eat? All right. We, we need to eat man food. All right. Actually, they didn't have man food yet because man food is like ribs and stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> all right. This is before sin. They were uh, just eating the, uh, the fruit and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, God did this for the man. And he made every tree in verse 9. Talked about the tree of life. Verse 10 it says, now a river went out of Eden to water the garden. From there it parted and became four river heads. So not only did man have something to eat, he also, of course, needed something to drink. For the most part, most guys can live with that. Give me some food and something to drink. I'm okay. I can make it. I can be satisfied with that. Uh, women aren't quite that way, though. All right? They oftentimes need something more than that. You know, it's been said that... Uh, Women need all kinds of stuff to be happy. And guys, we really have to research this out and, 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 and do a lot of things for them to be happy. Ladies, for, for men, you don't really, uh, it's not that complicated. Just show up with food naked and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and he'll be good to go, okay? Anyway, let's get back to the scripture here. It, he did say here in verse 11, the name of the first, the riverhead here, is Pishon, and it uh, is the one which skirts the whole land of Havilah where there is gold. What did he say was there? Gold. gold. And the gold of that land is good. It was nice gold, pure stuff, high quality gold. He went on to say, uh, Delium and Onyx Stone are there. Now realize Eve isn't here yet. There's garden, there's food, there's water, there's Adam, and there's now God telling him where the gold is, where the onyx stone is a precious gem, you know, for jewelry, and where delium is. Delium is a, uh, a rosin that uh, was used to make perfume. Apparently, she's not satisfied with just food and water. <laughs> Guys, she wants gold, <laughs> jewelry, and perfume. And, and, the, and the Lord was getting Adam ready so he could handle his wife. Any revelation coming here? <laughs> Women are saying, yes! Guys are saying, you're stretching that. I don't know about that. I don't think that's true. <laughs> well, you look down a little bit further, and you, you, you read down in verse 15. It says, And the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. The word tend there means to work. What else did God give man before he gave him a wife? Gave him a job. Gave him a job. If a, if a, maybe so he could afford the gold, the jewelry. <laughs> And the perfume, right? 
But this is something that's necessary. Say, so we're just going to live on love. <laughs> not very long, you're not. <laughs> you got to have some work. And, and, and guys need to understand that there are some things that are necessary to be in place before marriage. All right, and if you know if someone's in a hard time afterward, don't be condemned by that. But understand, this is essential for your relationship. Amen. That you have work. Then you go down to verse eighteen. That's when he gave him his wife. All right. After some other things were in play. Look at John thirteen with me. I want to take a few moments this morning to talk about something very basic and very fundamental to the Christian life. And it is absolutely a foundation for a successful marriage. If people want to learn all the intricacies of how to do this and how to raise kids and how to budget and how to manage emotions and finances and goal family goals and all this kind of stuff, there's a lot of valuable stuff to talk about. But I'm telling you that most of it will not work if a person does not have the underlying foundation of this in their relationship and it's what so many people skip over look at the new testament command you know old testament they had a gazillion things to obey we've got one and it's right here in john 13 34 jesus said a new commandment i give to you that you love one another as i have loved you that you also love one another and by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, how many know the love that he's talking about is not this emotional, fleeting type of feelings that people have? It's not, you really, I really love it when you do that for me. That's not what he's talking about. Not talking about what someone else can do for you. This is the genuine article here. It is the, the true love of God. It's potent, it's powerful, and it's supernatural. And it lays the foundation for everything any relationship to be uh, fully satisfying and, uh, and, and very successful. It's necessary for relationships to be all that God called them to be. And this is the love of God. It's not, the, not human love, not just emotional love. It is the love of God. And any person, any two people, any two born-again people, two saved people, have the potential to take their marriage to the top. Because this dwells inside of them. It is supernatural love. But too many times people really just aren't yielding to it. And I know this, that we said earlier uh, in this series that people have relatively, people that have relatively very few problems in their marriage probably did one of two, have one of two things going or both. One, they made a good selection to start with in other words they're very compatible they have a, 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 a personalities and giftings and and ideals and and beliefs that work together uh, people who do that have less problems than those who don't take that as a very important subject and, and by the way when we talk about that there are many things that people should look at when it comes to and i'm talking to those i guess who are not married at this point not those who are and want to change uh, <laughs> We already talked about you. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're like, the, like the guy who was in Bible school, and, uh, and he was preparing for ministry, felt the call of God that he should pastor in his life. And 
And so he's preparing for the ministry, and he knows, you know, it'd probably be better off if I were married because a, a wife can be a, a great asset in the ministry and necessary. So he had two particular young women in mind, uh, and uh, of these two, one of them was just very, very good-looking. She was, wow, he would just look at her, and she was nice, okay? Look what the Lord has done. And, uh, and, and the other one... The other one, he looked at her and was, eh, you know, he just, you know, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, but he's like, mm-mm, she just really wasn't that good looking. However, uh, she could really sing. I mean, she could let it rip, and she could play the piano. And he's thinking, well, I'm going to start a church, and I could really use that. That would be very helpful in the ministry if my wife could sing and play the piano. And so he's weighing these, thinking, which one should I, what would be the best thing to do? Finally, he decided, and he went with the the singing piano playing wife he thought that would be the most noble thing for the call of god on his life and so they went and had their wedding ceremony and and they got married and they, they went on their honeymoon and and the very first morning after their first night uh they were both waking up and uh uh, he, he's just barely open. He's opening his eyes and he turns over and looks at his wife and he says, sing, baby, sing. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and again, it's just important for, for people to understand that there's, there are many things that are important in, in the selection of a proper mate and, and people need to choose wisely and it's not all spiritual but it's not all natural either there needs to be a a balance of both of these things and and anyway i said number one they make a right choice but number two what did i say it's personal maturity all right people who are personally mature they don't have many of the problems that other people do have And, and this see what what this helps in is even those who maybe didn't make the right selection maybe they didn't get a lot of pre-marriage counseling and have a lot of wisdom and maybe they jumped into a marriage soon and if they were to go back they might think twice uh don't think twice now you're in but listen through personal maturity and growth you can overcome these things it's like uh uh, pastor scales talked about how he, he the lord told him not to marry the woman he married beforehand and the pastor he said said you're just trying to ruin everything and and he gave into that and married her anyway he said, he said, he told me I was apologizing to the Lord on the way out of the church. They're married and he's repenting already for what he just did. But he said, I paid for it. And some of you heard what he talked about. He said, for the first two years, we fought. We fought and we argued. For the next 10 years, he said, she argued with herself. Because he started to walk in love and he wouldn't participate in the arguments anymore. And, he, and then for the last several years, I don't know how long they've been married, but uh, it's, it's been wonderful and it's been good. But he said, I paid the price for not listening to the Lord. But here's the deal, though. Even when people eh, didn't really make the right choice through personal growth and maturity, you can take any situation and make it great. And if people learn how to walk in the love of God, you can take any, pe- any two people that may or not, may not be compatible, as, as it said. But listen... The love of God will make things work when people learn to walk in this. And, and this is what I see is so uh, important. No matter what a couple's problems are, they can be overcome by walking in love. This is the God kind of love now. This is genuine love. It's a love that's not selfish. 
when a person walks in love, that is the same as being a mature person. I can remember speaking with a cu- another couple years ago, and uh, and we were talking about uh, all the different things that they had disagreements on, and and the things they couldn't come into agreement on, and and, and it was everything you can think of, uh, you know, that people deal with in marriage, everything from children to discipline to house to money, and and how to spend the money here, and and just all kinds of stuff that they were they were dealing with and it was really in my heart to go to the root of the issue and talk to him about the love of god talk to him about the god kind of love that indwelt them as believers and and so i talked about that a little bit and then it seemed to kick right back into the other stuff and week after week we talked about all the things they couldn't agree on okay and I, I'm kind of a rational person, a logical person. I think if you don't agree, find where you can agree and then do that and don't talk about it anymore. But what would happen is the things would come up and then come up again 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 and they'd never go away. Always the same stuff. And here's what I knew and recognized in the middle of this because quite honestly it was frustrating to me. Thinking, can you... Can you just get along? <laughs> Can we all just get along? Uh, but I recognized there was an absence of this couple walking in the God kind of love. Because if they would learn to do that, but see, people don't want to focus on that. They want to focus on all the issues. Well, this is our problem. This is our problem. Hold on. No, this is your problem. You're not walking in love. You are full of yourself. The big eye is dominating your relationship. Because of that, you have a myriad of disagreements about everything you could ever deal with. And I'm not saying there's no, never a valid discussion about how to discipline the children or, or uh, dealing with finances or future goals and all, the, all these type of things. Those can be a valid discussion. However, if a person gets this love thing down, many of those will go away. Many of those will never even have to be discussed because you got two people who are trying to their absolute best to to bless the other one, to make the other person's life better. They're not thinking, what can you do to make me feel good? What can you do to agree with my position in this? When that leaves, most problems go away. That's why, because listen, we're going to deal with some of those different areas going forward. But I know this, if a person doesn't operate in the God kind of love, they'll get caught up in all the little issues and they'll get stuck there. They'll stay there month after month and year after year. But if a person's heart can be changed, so much of that will go away. I want to read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Many of you are aware of the love verses there. And we're going to put this up on the screen so you can follow along in the Amplified Bible. Okay? And uh, I want you to think about this. This really blows it up really nice and makes it really loud uh, so we can see how it applies to our lives. Here we go. Verse 4, 1 Corinthians 13 says, Love endures long and is patient and kind. 
Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. For it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, never fades out, or becomes obsolete, or comes to an end. Think about those words. That is a good description of the God kind of love. And if you could ever have two people operating in that, you will have heaven on earth. I know when I say something like that, many people think that would be great. But I'm the only one willing to participate in that in my marriage. If I could get that other turkey to do it, I think I'd agree with you. That would be heaven on earth. Listen. It would be better to have one person operating in this than zero. And if you're the one here, guess who gets to go first? Because <laughs> think about it. You get two people who are full of themselves. They are selfish to the core. And they're married. Yikes. You are got, you've got a mess on your hands. How in the world can that even survive? It can't. But if you get two people doing this. But again, even if you can get one to operate in the love of God, God's got something to work with. He's got access. There's an ability for His Spirit to get involved in that relationship and bring it up and work on the other person's heart. But think about for a moment some of these things, if you could put your own name in, in there, insert your name where it says love. How's that sound? I'll use Amy. So you would do it like this. Amy endures long and is patient and kind. Amy never is envious or nor boils over with jealousy. She's not boastful or vainglorious. She doesn't display herself haughtily. She's not conceited, arrogant, inflated with pride. She's not rude. Amy's not unmannerly. She does not act unbecomingly. Amy doesn't insist on her own rights or her own way. She's not self-seeking. You know what I'm talking about? It, it, I don't want to go through the whole thing, but you put your own name in there. Now, I realize sometimes people will get, to, get halfway through it and think, yikes, I am totally lying. <laughs> <laughs> This is not the way I live. That's the point of this exercise. 
Again, you don't have hundreds and hundreds of commands to follow. You've got one. Think you could do it? I didn't hear any resounding amens. <laughs> but I'm telling you, listen. Romans 5 tells us that the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That means every believer has the potential to do this in their life, in their relation, in their marriages. You have the potential. What needs to happen? We've got to get educated up in our minds on how to yield to that. And that's why reminding ourselves of this can be of great value. You know, we've previously taught in other series that it's important for us to have our minds renewed so that what's in our spirit as a born-again child of God has something to work with. All right, you received the Lord. He changed you instantly, spiritually. You're full of this God kind of love. Love is the fruit of your born-again spirit. It's what it's producing. But if your mind thinks differently, then you've got your body and mind going against your spirit. However, if you get your mind thinking this way, you've got your spirit man, which will always be that way from here through eternity. Now... He's got the mind on his side, and you can easily overcome the feelings of your flesh, easily overcome the desires that your body gives to you, all right? But we've got to think that way. So here's my challenge to you over the next two weeks. You know you're getting homework when you come to church, right? There will be a test, by the way. Not by me, but there will be a test, <laughs> Uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the next two weeks, at least two weeks. You can go further if you want. Two weeks. And every day for the next two weeks, preferably two or three times a day, morning, noon, and night. But every day, I want you to read this passage from the Amplified Bible. All right? If you don't have one, you go to a website like, um, like Bible Gateway. Dot com, and there are others, but online Bibles, you just type in your scripture and, and select your translation. Choose the Amplified for this, uh, because this, this is what we have here, and this is what will really help you. Read that every single day for two weeks. What are you doing? You're reminding yourself how love acts. What does the love of God look like in my life? Or what it's supposed to be in, in your life. And listen, if this will be put into practice by you, it will change your relationships. It will change your marriage. It will change how you treat and deal with, with other people in your life. And listen, you're operating in the same stuff that God uses. Watch, watch this. How in the world did the Lord get us to bow our knee to him and say, I confess that Jesus is Lord. In other words, we said, from this moment on, you're the boss of me. From this day forward, Lord Jesus, I'm going to do everything that you say. That's quite a commitment forever. Did you do that? 
How did he get us to do that? You know, I heard one time definition of leadership is a, a leader knows how to get people to do what they want them to do because they want to, they want to do it. That's what God did to us. He wanted you so much. He wanted to be close to you. wanted to have an eternal relationship with you. And so he acted in such a way, and he made you want that. And we submitted our complete life to him for all eternity. So how can I get my spouse to act better? I'll tell you how. Stop doing it the way you've been doing it. Stop trying to make them do it. Love is not forcing. Love is not manipulative. Love does not make people. Love does not pressure people. Love doesn't remind them every week of what the Bible tells them to do. You know, sweetheart, the Word of God says that you should do this. In fact, let me write, let me print that out for you. Here's how the Lord got us to give our life to Him. He loved us while we were yet sinners. Jesus went on the cross, sacrificed Himself. And now we're coming to him willingly. We give him our money. We give him our time. And we say, Lord, everything that you say, I will do. He got exactly what he wanted out of us. But he did it through love. The kind of love that says, you can't hurt me by rejecting me. You can't hurt me by doing anything wrong to me. I love you anyway. Amen. Jesus wasn't offended on the cross when they came by wagging their heads. He saved others while he saved himself. He can raise up the temple in three days, but he can't get himself off the cross. He was not offended by any of that. He didn't get ticked off. Think about that. Think about that. He didn't just pull his hand and go, and start zapping him. No. He said, Lord, forgive them. Forgive them. They don't know what they're talking about. Think about that kind of love existing in a relationship. You know the only difference between a couple being united and being untied is that the I gets out of place. And that's exactly what happens in relationships when people get the big I out of its proper place and selfishness dominates. It's all about what you can do for me. That relationship is now headed for disaster. But God's given us a plan. And you know what? He's not left us alone in this. It's about time we look to Him. Because we look to Him for healing. We, of course, look to Him for salvation. In times of recession, more people start looking to Him for, uh, for financial help and, and those type of things. We look to Him for everything that we feel like we can't do on our own. I'm telling you, a relationship is something we need His help in too. And it's time we start yielding to the love of God that's been shed abroad in our hearts. And let that mindset dominate. Amen? Amen. Amen. I tell you what, I encourage you to take up this challenge over the next couple of weeks. Take it up. Take it seriously. Say, I don't know if that'll work. Well, give it a shot. Give it a shot. And endeavor to line your life up with the love of God. Amen. Father, thank you today for your help and your presence in our lives. We believe that you're at work and you're faithful to us. 
Thank you for your grace, which is your divine ability working in us, enabling us to be all that you want us to be. I thank you for your help now. You strengthen every person to walk in the fullness that you have to walk in your best. For struggling relationships, thank you that you have answers. And there is hope. The situation can be turned around. Lord, for even those who are on the brink of divorce, papers in hand, Lord, I thank you that if they would look to you now, that you can bring a restoration. You can bring a change about in that relationship. Things can be turned around. Lord, we do trust you. Thank you that you're able to do it now. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Lord, you said in your word, this is what you bring to me now. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things would be added to you. Father, I thank you that as both husbands and wives would seek your kingdom first in their marriage, in their life, that a supernatural supply of your provision would come to them. We do honor you and put you first today. In Jesus' name. Father, I also pray today for those who have come to church that are not saved.